Hello, and thanks for tuning in to Beer and Fear. In the episodes ahead, we explore the ominous, unnerving, frightening, and sinister. We also handpick, introduce, and enjoy a new beer to go along with each episode. Our hope is to broaden your horizons of the scary, mysterious, and macabre, as well as the limitless world of craft beer. If you enjoy starting new podcasts from the very beginning like I do, you might notice that we have a tendency to ramble on during some of our earlier episodes. At the time, we were still trying to feel out our average episode length, and we often spent more time filling time than staying on topic. For some, off-topic discussion isn't a big concern when listening to podcasts, but we recognize that others enjoy episodes that are more direct and straight to the point. Our more recent content has definitely struck a good balance between beer talk, spooky tales, and irrelevant banter, and we hope that as we continue to dial in our format, our episodes become much easier and enjoyable listens. While we thought about editing some of our earlier content, we felt it would be disingenuous to change history to how we currently see fit. So, we kept our old content exactly as it was recorded. Throughout each episode, you'll hear us mention various links you can visit to view the content we've curated just for you. While some of these may still work, we've done some moving around online, so the best way to experience everything in one place is at our website, beerandfearcast.com. We hope you decide to stick around to explore some of our newer material. There's a lot to unravel in the realm of horror and beer, and our first few episodes merely skim the surface. So, grab your favorite brew and dim the lights as we welcome you to Beer and Fear. You gonna play guitar on this episode? I could. Please don't. <laughs> well, welcome to Beer and Fear. My name is Honeysuckle. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Honeysuckle and this is Rain. Welcome to Beer and Fear. This is episode number two. Uh, thank you for joining us this week. It either means that you really, really enjoyed last week's episode and you couldn't wait to tune in for the next one, or you have absolutely nothing to do uh, with your day, nothing better to do throughout the pandemic, and you just figured you'd be nice enough to tune in. Which, in either case, we won't judge. We appreciate you for joining us. We're happy that you're here. Um, we'd, we'd appreciate it if you could make us a part of your routine, no matter what you're doing, driving to work, uh, cooking up something in your kitchen, you put on a podcast, you know, like, that's what I usually do if I'm bored sitting at home. That's what I was doing this morning. I put on, and that's why we drink, and I was just kind of killing time. Whatever you want to do. My coworker said uh, that, what are you looking at me like that? It's such a rambling intro. Cut it. Um, I was just thinking, like, welcome to Beard Fear. Welcome to the second episode of Beard Fear. I already said that. Yeah, I know. But, like, welcome to the second episode of Beard Fear. My name is Paige. Oh, we should probably say who we are. Yeah. Mm. You're getting very judgy. Oh, that's true. I'm sorry. I'm in a bad mood now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) My bad. My name is Zach. My name is Paige. And welcome, like I already said. (laughs) Welcome to episode two. Um, I was see, I was going somewhere, and then you interrupted me. I'm sorry. Um, oh, my my friend told me. Yes. My coworker told me that uh, he he was listening to episode one. He was taking a shower and getting ready for for work. He said it was a little weird hearing my voice when he was in <laughs> in, the in that in that state. And I was like, okay, yeah, I can kind of. That's amazing. That's fine, but. Hey, wherever you want to listen to us, however you want to listen, we we don't judge. We're happy that you're tuning in. Um, <laughs> we hope that you, this can be a regular thing for people. It's like Zach's in the shower so. with me. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, we all we all know that you want to hear my soothing voice while you're taking a shower. Yes, your dulcet baritone. Every morning. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, tell tell me about how your uh, how your week was. You know when I said um, when I said last week that we shouldn't talk the entire week. And just save all the stories and catching mm-hmm. up for. Yeah. I wasn't being serious. <laughs> we we didn't we hardly talked at all, which is fine. 
Um, but I feel like I feel like you've got some stories that you can share. So, I, I mean, like I feel like we've spoken in between that. I don't think I've completely periodically. Yeah. Yeah. Every now and then. I but like I mean, I was... we didn't. It's like for a while we were like chatting every day. I think it was just the time leading up to the podcast. It's like getting stuff ready. It's like, hey, check it out. I got, I got this done. Hey, look <laughs> at this. We're we're doing this. Uh, we were we were chatting pretty pretty often. But uh, it was a weird week. I can't even like think of half the time. Like I'm trying to like create a timeline in my head of that week between our last podcast and now. No, all my all my days just blend They've together. Completely blurred. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of anything that like really stood out. Work's been kind of like, eh, lately. It's not been great. Is the hotel open yet? No, not yet. They were supposed to open us up in August, and then they told us last minute that they weren't. So now I have a bunch of pissed off people mm-hmm. who excuse me, are very mad that we aren't open and we're losing business left and right. Mm. It's great. Mm. I'm having a good time. It's amazing, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of sad about it, not going to lie. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it was, it's been fine. I, uh, I've been hanging out with this one guy pretty regularly now. Not Tinder guy from last episode. No, I don't talk to that mm, that gentleman mm. anymore. This new Tinder guy. This is no. I've been talking better, to him better longer. Tinder better Tinder guy. I've been I've been talking to multiple Tinder peoples. Okay. So this one, I like him a lot. He's he's really fun to hang out with. He's cute. Mm-hmm. Shut up with your face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we we're hanging out and we're both really into bubblegum ice cream. Like, I love bubblegum ice cream. I'm trying to remember if I've had bubblegum ice cream. I don't think so. So you would normally get it at, like, Baskin-Robbins. It would be, like, a normal thing. You'd go to Baskin-Robbins, and as a child, you would get bubblegum ice cream. Or at least that's what he and I would do as children. That's cool. So we went to Baskin-Robbins, like, super late one night to Baskin-Robbins. They don't carry it anymore. We're both Mm. very upset. I feel like, doesn't Cold Stone have bubblegum? I don't know. But... anyway. He messaged me out of nowhere, and he was like, Paige. I was like, Sam. <laughs> Stop at your face. Uh, he's like, I know where to get bubblegum ice cream. I'm like, where? He said, Rainbow Cone. I'm like, holy shit, we got to go to Rainbow Cone. It's like in Chicago. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've never heard of it. So it's uh, actually the full title is the original Rainbow Cone. Mm-hmm. So we spent the day we went there. We drove um, to Rainbow Cone. We got Rainbow Cone. And he, so he slammed my car door so hard that by accident. Well, I, I know you already have a thing about people slamming. Yes, I do. I have a doors. thing about I'm that. I'm very aware of that. I don't like it. I've it bothers me. I've made the mistake me. before. Yes. And I've seen many replicate that same thing. <laughs> but it's over the top now. So it was pretty bad. And he didn't notice he did it. So I'm not going to hold it against him. But. <laughs> he popped my window off its track. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, it's fine. It's happened before. If you slam the car door too hard, like if you just fiddle with the button, mm. it'll usually pop itself back into place. Or if you slam it again, it would not. Mm. It did not mm. at all. <laughs> so I had to had to deal with some car expenses oh. this week. Did he reciprocate? Did he throw you some cash? Like, I wasn't going to ask him to throw me cash. I mean, he's the one who caused the damage. He didn't do it on purpose. Sure. It's not like he was like, yeah, fuck this girl. I'm going <laughs> to break her window. <laughs> I don't, it wasn't that bad. I mean, no. it was just like money that I didn't want to spend. True. But whatever. An unexpected expense. Yes, an unexpected car expense, which those are always the best. Those are the worst, yeah. So that was... That was it. That was. But my, you got your bubblegum ice cream. I got my bubblegum ice cream, and it was so good. Mm. It was some of the best bubblegum ice cream I've had in so long. It was rainbow cone. Yes, I can't believe you've Chicago? never been. I don't fucking remember. Oh, okay. Is it like downtown, like the Loop, or no? No, it's just it's kind of. I don't know how to explain where it's at, but it's not in in the city. Rainbow cone. It's like on the outskirts of the city. Look it up, but it's so good, and they have such good ice cream. They also do cakes, I think. Original Rainbow Cone. Mm-hmm. They are on Western Avenue. 9233 Southwestern Avenue in Chicago. If any of you want to check out Rainbow Cone. Um, they're not a sponsor, but they should be. They're really good. Because we're really talking highly of them. I should, I should check it out. It looks good. Oh, the building is pink. Mm-hmm. 
It's cute. You're cute. Oh. <laughs> I like how it looks on the inside too. Mm-hmm. I'll have to check it out. It's usually really bitty, bitty, busy. It's usually really bitty. Really bitty. It's bitty. Was it busy when you guys went? No, we went there like kind of near the beginning of the day. It's usually around like uh, the afternoon when people mm-hmm. are like, oh, I've had my dinner. Time to go get Rainbow Cone. There's this really good, you just reminded me, um, if I remember the name of it. I think it's called Brown Cow. Yep. The Brown Cow Ice Cream Parlor. I've been there a few times. Um, my dad actually lives in the area, and we've we've went and visited um, this ice cream place that's just right down the street. They have some really, really good ice cream as well. Um, I forget what I usually get. I think it's something like uh, Abominable Snowman or something like that. Yeah, it's I, adorable. I can't remember. But it's like got chocolate and vanilla chunks, and it's got coconut in it, and I really love coconut You're and ice cream. You're a vanilla chunk. Yeah. <laughs> that was my nickname in high school. <laughs> I really like uh, coconut ice cream is really good. So they've got coconut ice cream. Well, I've had. OK, that's had, genuinely disgusting. No, 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 I've had I've had coconut ice cream before, but I think this is just vanilla ice cream with like chocolate chunks and then coconut shavings in it as well. I can't remember. It's been a while since I got it, but it was really good. Brown cow ice cream parlor since we're on the topic. of Where ice is cream. it? It's in uh, Forest Park. Oh, OK. Mm-hmm. I still can't believe you've never been to Rainbow Comb. There's a lot of places I haven't been to. I mean, yeah, but like, it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, oh, I live in Illinois. Had you ever heard of it before Sam mentioned it to you? Yeah. You had? Yeah. My mom used to go all the time when she lived in the city, when she was a kid. Hmm. So it was like this huge thing for her. So we would go together. Hmm. So good. Never heard of it. Missing out. What's our first, um, what's our topic? What's our second episode? Um, oh, wait. Should I have asked you about your week? Wow, you I'm you an asshole. Have, no, you don't have to. No, no I fine. need to know. I need Not to know. Important. Wow, I'm a no bad worries. friend. It's okay. How was your week? <laughs> you could probably guess uh, what I did all week. You worked. T- take a guess. 100%. I worked. I worked a lot. Uh, not much, not much is new. I worked, uh, not only at my job, but also on, um, getting the, the podcast episodes up and, you know, on all the platforms that we're trying to get to so that our listeners, regardless of what app or what, what streaming service or what podcast service they like to use, they can always find us. They can always search up beer and fear and boom, there will be boom. Oh my God. See? Um, so we're trying to get on, on as many platforms as possible. I was working on that. There's a lot of downtime at work, so um, I have time to like go on and, and make sure that we're uploaded wherever we need to be and um, making sure, you know, I'm trying to get us a banner also to put on YouTube and, and stuff like that. Um, so I've been working on that as well. Um, I got my hair cut. You do look good. Uh, last week. The original plan when the pandemic um, started blowing up earlier this year was that I wasn't going to cut my hair at all. I was just going to let it grow out because... Obviously, salons were closed for a while. You couldn't you couldn't go out and get a haircut even if you wanted to. Uh, a lot of people were cutting their hair at home for the very first time in their life. M- me and being one of them, uh, I didn't do a, a bad job when I finally en- ended up cutting cutting it myself. Um, but then when it started to grow out, I could obviously see um, how horrible I was at it. Um, so it's like I gotta go out. I gotta get it cut. It's getting way too out of hand. Way too long. I kind of gave up on the whole letting it grow out and look like. In- Look like a caveman thing pretty early. You look like a caveman. You looked like the lead singer of Sum 41. That's fair. Yeah. I think that's a op description. Um, but they, for people who haven't gotten their haircut or really haven't gone out of their, their house since this whole thing blew up, which I don't blame you, um, the way they do it, the, the door's locked and um, you have to wait outside. And I walk up there and I see something like, if you haven't checked in, make sure you check in. So I start walking back to my car and it's like, Oh wait, there's it's not busy. I could probably just wait outside. There's like a thousand flyers, like a thousand little post-it thingies on the on the glass on the door. And I'm going through reading all of them and everything <laughs> like that, just trying to figure out what the hell I need to do to get my hair cut. Um, so I start going on my phone trying to check in. And I'm waiting outside. Someone comes up to the door and unlocks it, and um, I was like, "No, I haven't checked in. I'm just here." There's like one other person getting their hair cut. Um, and then they ask you the the you know all the screening questions. Been around anyone? Fever, cough, trouble breathing, sore throat, all that stuff. Um, been around anyone with COVID symptoms? Who would say yes? That's what I was thinking too. And it's like, oh, you know what? Now that you mention it, yeah, I have. Yeah, sorry. That's I'll why be, I'm here. I'll be on my way. Um, 
But they, then they let you in. They lock the door behind you. And then they're like, go to the hand sanitizing station. Oh There's God. hand sanitizer. This they is got, why I'm glad I do my own hair. They got it set up on a, on a table and you, you know, hand sanitizer and you're wearing your mask and you go over and everything else besides that was normal. It was just a very strange experience. I never so, thought. So I don't know why, but I was imagining like a curtain between the the two of you and like the you know like those like quarantine curtains oh yeah and they got like the, 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 the gloves, gloves and they're like <laughs> like they stick their hands through the curtain into, and they're like cutting your hair with them <laughs> that's what i was imagining i wish it would have been like that that would have been, been, like, been way cooler you would have felt like a sci-fi project it was, i mean it was already pretty weird uh looking at myself in the mirror with a mask on getting my hair cut um and then they're they're getting your sideburns around your ears they gotta like unhook the mask and it feels like ooh delicate Ooh, this Ooh, is, this sexy is a, it's getting a little weird oh my god can there be like like a, i don't know if i should say this. did you see the there was a post on reddit let me see if i could find it it was um no <laughs> i don't have reddit uh, well you should get it it's pretty i great. don't want it um there was a a post someone posted it was a uh a mask face mask strip tease okay see that was what i was gonna say there's got <laughs> to be like some kind of porn where that's a thing <laughs> uh i mean uh, maybe there has to be I, it's it's not popping up now but it was it was hilarious um it was a video of of some chick and she had a mask on and she was looking all you know making making moves in front of the camera making moves. like slowly taking off one end of the mask and you know like looking all sexy and then she takes the whole mask off and <laughs> she's got a pasty on her lips <laughs> She's got a pasty on her lips, and she's like, <laughs> like oh throwing her head around <laughs> and making it spin. Oh, I was dying. It was so funny. That's um, amazing. Okay, let's uh, let's let's just get into it because. Um, okay, well, episode two is about Wendigos. <laughs> yeah, episode two is about Wendigos. Um, this was uh, Paige's pick. Yes. Um, I'm going to be doing the beer and the story this episode. Uh, we mentioned last episode that uh, we kind of fucked up our format, but. It's okay. Um, I tried searching for uh, Wendigo beer online. Um, I think that's just our go-to. We just type in our subject and then type beer and just see what we can find. I did find a few breweries that um, actually made a beer called Wendigo, but it was like nothing I could get locally, kind of like your zombie beer that you wanted to get. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like Konoshaken Brewing Company in Konoshaken, Pennsylvania. They make a beer called Wendigo. Um, there was a, a, a brewery in Belgium that made a Wendigo beer that I really mm-hmm. wanted to get, but... I don't think that'd be uh, that'd be a feasible um, feat. Um, don't think it's something that we could have done for this show. Mm-hmm. Um, I decided on a beer. It's called Stranger Than Fiction by Collective Arts Brewing. Um, Collective Arts Brewing is uh, headquartered in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Mm. They are a craft brewery founded by Matt Johnston and... Bob Russell. It's a grassroots craft brewery whose mandate is to combine the craft of brewing with the inspired talents of emerging and seasoned artists, musicians, photographers, and filmmakers. So I think that's a really cool um, thing that they're trying to do. They're, they're tying in uh, artists and, and uh, people like that to um, either design the label or design promotional stuff for their beer. They showcase a lot of these artists on their website. It's really cool. Um, I'll talk about why I I decided on uh, this Canadian beer later. But from their website, Stranger Than Fiction is a full-bodied porter with plenty of roast flavor with hints of molasses. Ridiculous amounts of chocolate and pale ale malts make this porter a smooth and creamy brew. Can we get away from pale ales next? Uh, We we are getting away from pale ales. This is a porter. Oh, yeah. Well, you said (laughs) pale ale. (laughs) Um, I'm not awake yet. Yeah, it's 11, 12, it's noon, quarter after noon. I'm glad that it's noon and it's not earlier than that because I don't feel as bad about drinking. Yeah, we're it's still pretty early though. It's earlier than I would normally drink beer, but we're going to do it. Um, so a porter, uh, porter if you don't know, um, it's developed in London, England. Uh, it's a dark brown bitter beer brewed from malt, partly charred or browned by drying at a high temperature. It's st- uh, similar to stout, so... Uh, people who may not be familiar with different types of uh, porters uh, and stouts, uh, if you think of Guinness, that's that's pretty much what this is. Um, it's uh, 5.5 ABV, and it's uh, 25 IBUs, which is the International Bittering Units. I said I was going to talk about IBUs uh, this episode 
last week. Um, IBUs, if you don't know, it measures the bitterness of a beer. Uh, it's not perceived bitterness, but more specifically, the amount of iso-alpha acids it's, uh, produced by the addition of hops. Sounds sciencey. To the boiling wort, it is very sciencey. The this boiling is what? Boiling wort. Boiling wort. wort. W-R-T. It's very sciencey. This is why we could never be. Um, uh, we can never run our own brewery. Brewmasters. I don't think so. Brewmeisters. Maybe. Uh, porters are typically 18 to 50 IBUs. This one, again, is 25. Uh, wheat beers and American lagers are typically lower, while stouts and IPAs are typically higher. Um, so, like our pale ale yesterday, chances are the yesterday? IBU... I'm sorry, last week. Chances are the IBU was a lot higher than, than 25. It was much more bitter tasting than uh, what a porter or stout is. Um, its flavor and aroma are of Cascade and Nugget hops. And this is really cool because it, it provides this information. Again, I'm getting all this from their website. Um, I didn't know... I'm not a huge beer person. Um, I didn't know there were different hops and different malts that uh, people blended together to make different types of beer. So um, it listed uh, the two that they use are Cascade hops and Nugget hops. And I'll just briefly describe those two. Cascade hops are the most widely used hops by craft breweries in the U.S. They're very distinct, medium they have a very distinct medium and strength aroma. They're flowery, spi- spicy, citrus-like quality, and uh, slight grapefruitish. Hmm. Uh, nugget hops are woody, resiny, and very bitter. Uh, they have earthy, herbal flavors with a hint of spice. And they're sometimes used as an aroma hop to balance out floral and citrus notes of other hops. So they use both of these for flavor and aroma in this beer. Uh, they use also, again, a few different types of malts, uh, two-row chocolate, dark chocolate, crystal, biscuit, flakes, wheat, and caraform malts. So I'm excited to try this. Uh, again, we, we mentioned that um, Collective Arts, they, they reach out to different uh, local artists um, and uh, ask them to use their art on, on the designs for their cans. So they have a really cool... Really cool design on this can. I had to rewrite these notes early earlier this morning because um, the beer that I got wasn't the same as the one that's on their website. So they um, go through different artists and different designs uh, periodically. So the one that we're drinking, uh, the art on the can is uh, is Series 13, and it's by an artist called Fran Hu. The art on the can is called uh, Forest Emperor. Hmm. And I have a... Um, I mean, you'll see it on the can, but I... Yeah, but I want to see the the picture that you went to the hard work of getting. That's for me. Forest Emperor. Why is that so pretty? It is so pretty. It looks super cool. Um, and then this is uh, Fran. That's Fran who? She's adorable. Right. So she designed the art on the can that we're drinking, Series Thirteen. A um, little bit about Fran. She's originally uh, born. She was originally born in a Mongolian village in China. She uh, narrates to the mysterious country stories inspired by mountains and rivers and nature. Uh, To let people see the stories of the world she immersed in, she received a bachelor's degree in computer animation from Beijing Film Academy, then went to the Fashion Institute of Technology to study a master of illustration. During her work and study in the Western and Eastern world, she always captures the cultural collision and mixes it in her creative work. As for her expertise, she has done game conceptual design, product design, conceptual animation design, comic drawings, and continues to weave her narrative through different ways of artwork. Now she works as a freelance illustrator in New York. Hmm. That's Fran Hu. Good for you, Fran. Right. Um, the If you look up uh, this beer, um, Stranger Than Fiction, on their website, um, this the art now is called Memento Mori by an artist named Kate O'Hara, which mm-hmm. is what my original notes were about. Um, really cool design as well. You can check it out if you go to their website, collectiveartsbrewing.com. Um, but I'll go grab the beer. Okay. So I kind of messed up you because did. <laughs> I'm looking on the can and, um, I mean, when I bought the beer, I obviously saw that it wasn't the same art that I saw on the website. Yeah. Um, so I looked on the can and I was like, oh, okay, this is a different artist. Um, but I looked at one can. I didn't look at the other cans. Apparently each can in this four pack has a different artist and a different Okay, the one you have is super creepy. That's pretty dope. Um, I've got like a Siamese cat with like a bunch of birds. That one's cute. It is cute, but yours is like spooky. (laughs) Um, Each can has a uh, a different um, design or different artist's uh, work on it. This one's by Randy Ortiz. Um, 
out of uh, Winnipeg, Canada. Um, you can actually text. There's something you can text to this uh, 313-313 number, and it tells you about the artist, and that's where I got all my information, which is pretty yeah. neat. Mine is Jenny Keith from uh, Canada. Jenny Keith. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can also see there's a little music note at the top, and... Um, that I, I imagine is uh, a track from an independent artist that they also source to advertise on their on their That's can really as well. Cool of them. It is really cool. Um, so these are in obviously cans. Oof! Oh, that even smells like chocolate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Ooh, oh, I we didn't. Of... We didn't toast. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, first, first thing I can taste is chocolate. Um, but it's very creamy, very smooth. I love it. I like it more than zombie dust. That's really good. Very smooth. Mm-hmm. As uh, as porters typically are. That's why I love them so much. Very chocolatey. Because they're easy to drink. Yeah, very chocolatey. What else did this say? I like um, the smell. Yeah, molasses, yeah. chocolate, pale ale malts, smooth and creamy brew. Hmm. It's tasty. Kind of makes me think of coffee. Yeah. Like a cold brew coffee. Oh, yeah. Right? It's uh, the cold brew coffee of beer. But, I mean, it even looks like it. Pretty much. Um, I dig it. So... The reason that I uh, picked this beer, I tried to find something related to Wendigos, like I said, but I ended up going with a beer from a brewery in uh, Canada because, um, as you'll probably talk about, Mm -hmm. I I believe Wendigos originated in uh, somewhere in Canada. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of my stories, it it takes place up there as well. So, and I figured Stranger Than Fiction, it's uh, kind of a fitting name for um, our topic this week. So, um, Paige, did you wanna do you wanna go into your history and I am background? I'm so happy to, just because I find this topic really interesting. It is super cool. I I'm like excited. really dark and morbid fairy tales and folklore, especially since this has so much history behind it. Mm. It's a part of so many different, um, I guess you could say, Native American uh, tribes in in Canada. Mm. Quite a lot of them have stories of it, but it's Wendigo, the flesh eater of the forest. And that's just, that's so badass to me. Right. So what they are, it's a mythological creature or an evil spirit from the First Nations Algonquin tribes based in the northern forests of Nova Scotia, Canada, mm-hmm. uh, along the East Coast and the Great Lakes regions and in Wisconsin of the U.S. You're just oh. sipping over there? Sorry, I was distracted. This beer's really I good. see that. So it's described as a monster with some characteristics of a human or as a spirit who has possessed a human being and made them become monstrous. Mm. So if you've like looked up pictures of them, they usually have like a combination of like a human, a deer, and their jaw will be dislocated or they won't have a jaw. It's super messed up. Yeah, usually antlers very uh, prominent yes in typically descriptions of wendigos so it says that its influence is said to invoke acts of murder insatiable greed and cannibalism mm-hmm. so the traditional belief system of the algonquins algonquins i feel like i'm from jersey which actually i'll go into the algonquins themselves they originated are from the uh, indigenous people in canada south of the arctic circle the algonquins are one of the most algonquian algonquin I mean, there's a U-I-A-N, so I'm going to go with a Gonquian. That sounds right. Right? Doesn't it? Uh, they're one of the most populous and widespread North American language groups. Historically, the people were prominent along the Atlantic Ocean, or Atlantic Coast, and into the interior along the St. Lawrence River and around the Great Lakes. And this, uh, the grouping of the Algonquin uh, people, it consists of people who speak Algonquin languages. Mm-hmm. So there's different, I guess, tribes, or if you want to say tribes, mm-hmm. um, it, I guess you could say that. Yeah. Are different people who speak this language. Right. So that would be... My notes are so unorganized. Okay, so it's a part of the traditional belief system of a number of Algonquin-speaking peoples. So the different... 
I don't like saying tribes. I mean, that's I, I I shouldn't say fitting, but that's that's a that's an apt way to describe them. You know, I guess. Like what what year are we talking though? When was this? Oh, God. When did this? I don't even know. Oh, back years, in the day, years and years and years a ago. A few years ago, I couldn't even find a date. Like that's how long ago. It's just it's one of those things that's so rooted in their culture that it's like passed down. Mm-hmm. I don't really know when specifically it originated. I didn't see any dates. Okay. Nothing that I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so it's a part of, let's see, like five different groups of people, peoples, the tribes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I cannot pronounce any of them. I'm mm-hmm. going to give it a shot. But I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to butcher this entirely. I'm so ready. Oh, my God. Stop. <laughs> so there's the uh, Salto, the Cree. The Nascapi, Nascapi, Nascapi. Stop it. Your face is killing me. <laughs> the Inu and then the, okay, this one is really bad. It's O-J-I-B-W-E. Ojibwe? Ojibwe. O- o- I feel Ojibwe? so bad. Ojibwe? I mean, these are words that no one says anymore, probably. <laughs> the descriptions can vary from different Groups of peoples, uh-huh. uh, but they're all common in the same view that the Wendigo is malevolent, cannibalistic, and supernatural. Uh, and they were strongly associated with the winter, the north, cold, famine, and starvation. So the way they are made is typically someone gave in to, like if they were like out in the wilderness, they gave in to cannibalism. And the the basically how bad this deed was corrupted them into this spirit that craves flesh. Mm-hmm. So it's super crazy. The etymology, basically it's just, there are so many different ways of spelling it and saying it. Mm-hmm. So there's uh weendigo. Yeah. I saw that one. W I N, right? There's windigo. W I N. Mm. Weendigo is W E E N. Wind, wind goo. <laughs> wind goo. Wind go. Wind go. Wind go. Uh, Windugo and Windiga. Okay. There's quite a few different ways to say it. So there's a description of it um, from Basil Johnston. He's an Ojibwe 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 teacher. His first name's Basil. Yeah. That's a cool name. I love it. I'm gonna name my first kid Basil. You're never gonna have children. He's a uh, teacher and scholar in Ontario, Canada. The Windigo was gaunt to the point of emaciation. Its desiccated skin pulled tautly over its bones, with its bones pushing out against its skin, its complexion the ash gray of death, and its eyes pushed back deep into their sockets. The Wendigo looked like a gaunt skeleton recently disinterred from the grave. What lips it had were tattered and bloody. Its body was unclean and suffering from superations of the flesh, giving off a strange and eerie odor of decay and decomposition of death and corruption. So... A little dark. Creepy. Very. Nothing, nothing about antlers, though. No, nothing about antlers. Hmm. But they're always depicted with antlers, usually. If you look them up, it's usually antlers. I get, there's a ton of pop culture references with them in there. If you've ever played the video game, I don't think you have. Until Dawn? No. That was one of the, the villain in that, or the antagonist was uh, a Wendigo. The antagonist? Antagonist. Don't even come over there. There's about, like, two <laughs> inches separating us. <clears throat> I was trying to remember. There's um, there's a Wendigo. What game is it in? I'm sure there's Wendigos in some some video games too. What is it? Um... There's a lot of. I mean, there was a Wendigo in Pet Cemetery. Oh, in uh, in Fallout. Is there a Wendigo in Fallout? There is in Fallout. I think it's <laughs> it's either Fallout Four, or Fallout New Vegas. I think in one of the DLCs, um, there's a there's a Wendigo in there. I don't know if it has it looks kind of creepy. It looks pretty um similar to the description you just gave. Uh no antlers, but um things it, I mean that that's pretty frightening. It is frightening. Uh, but if I can continue, are you going to go down this path? You going to look up a picture for me? Share. That's kind of spooky. Yeah. I don't like that. No. I wouldn't want to Run into that in the forest? Yeah, come across one of those. No. So the Algonquin legend describes the creature as a giant with a heart of ice, 
Sometimes it is thought to be entirely made of ice. Its body is skeletal and deformed with missing lips and toes. So like frostbite, freezing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, usually the person that like got lost in the wilderness and succumbed to cannibalism. They ain't got no toes. So they turn into a Wendigo? Yes. Okay. So like the corruption of the misdeed that they've done is so heavy on their spirit that it warps them and makes them into this horrible creature that um, craves flesh. Mm. So, and you can see it, like, there's, I think, a Wendigo in, there's an episode of Supernatural that has a Wendigo in it. And, like I said, Until Dawn, and uh, your novella has Wendigos in it. It's basically all about oh, yeah. Wendigos. Oh, yeah, that thing I was going to talk about, yeah. Yeah, that story I have. <laughs> the um, Ojibwe. 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 I feel so bad. <laughs> I didn't want to look it up just because I wanted to not know how to say it. <laughs> That's fine. They describe fine. it as a large creature as tall as a tree with a lipless mouth and jagged teeth. Its breath was a strange hiss, its footprints full of blood, and it ate any man, woman, or child who ventured into its territory. Oh, and those were the lucky ones. Sometimes the Wendigo chose to possess a person instead, and then the luckless individual became a Wendigo himself. Mm-hmm. If hunting those down those he had once loved and feasting upon them, their flesh... According to the legend, a Wendigo is created whenever a human resorts to cannibalism to survive. In the past, this occurred more often when Indians and settlers found themselves stranded in the bitter snows and ice of the North Woods. So like I was saying, mm-hmm. they like, turn into it because they succumb to cannibalism. Sometimes stranded for days, any survivors might have felt compelled to cannibalize the dead in order to survive. Other versions of the legend cite the humans who displayed extreme greed, gluttony, and excess might also be possessed by a Wendigo. Thus, the myth served as a method of encouraging cooperation and moderation. And Mm. then Native American versions of the creature spoke of a giant spirit over 15 feet tall that had once been human, but had been transformed into a creature by the use of magic. Though all of the descriptions of the creature vary slightly, the Wendigo is generally said to have glowing eyes, long yellowed fangs, terrible claws, and overly long tongues. Sometimes they are described as having shallow, yellowish skin, and other times depicted to be covered with matted hair. The creature is said to have a number of skills and powers, including stealth, is near-perfect hunter, knows and uses every inch of its territory, and can control the weather through the use of dark magic. They are also portrayed as simultaneously gluttonous and emaciated from starvation. Wendigos are said to be cursed to wander the land, eternally seeking to, th- to fulfill their voracious appetite for human flesh. And if there is nothing left to eat, it starves to death. They can control the weather? That's one of the things that it says <sighs> they can do. So they're like meteorologist deer They're meteorologist people? deer people. Wow. But yeah, that's that's like the legend behind it. And they would like, basically it was just a way to get people to be like, hey, don't be a dick. Don't eat dead bodies. Don't eat people. That's don't frightening. Don't eat people. Now, would would cannibals <laughs> just in Canada turn into Wendigos? <laughs> or it's like like if you're in the U.S. and you you eat someone, would like, you turn into a Wendigo? Right. I'm trying to think like because this is well, there just... were stories in uh, along the Great Lakes around Wisconsin. Oh, right. So right, it right. reached far enough that it was in the United mm. States. But it it originated in Canada in those in those quote tracks. unquote tribes. Yes. Located in Canada. Yes. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, and interested to figure out, like, like, is there an approximate, like, century or, you know, decade that this this sort of blew up and became a thing? Because, I mean, I'm sure this is, like, centuries ago, right? Because um, you don't, I mean, you don't hear much about Wendigos now. You don't hear many people talking about really anything to do with them now um i feel like it was something that you know this was a long long time ago well there is also and i didn't put it in my uh my notes but um they're saying that the name is it lends itself to like an actual psychological disorder where people would fear becoming cannibals or have the craving to eat flesh so it's like wendigo psychosis i think that popped up in some of my uh, research as well uh, that Wendigo psychosis. I wonder how pr- uh, prolific uh, that is nowadays. I wonder who was the last person to be diagnosed um, as a Wendigo. Like you just go to the hospital for a checkup, 
It's like, oh, yep, you're a Wendigo. Wendigo psychosis. Sorry. You got it. But it said that the first Wendigo was said to have been a warrior who made a deal with the devil in exchange for the fearsome skills and stature to outfight his enemies and therefore save his tribe. So he gave up his soul to protect his people. And then when the battle was over, the successful warrior, now a full-time Wendigo, was banished from his tribe that he sacrificed his soul to save and was forced to live as an outcast. And then to add insult to injury, he was forced to deal with cannibalistic urges. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, fuck, fuck you. You saved us. Yep. Let me go ahead and just tack on eating people, (laughs) having a rough time. (laughs) But I want to look up Wendigo psychosis when the last time someone actually got Wendigo psychosis. You can go into yours. Yeah, any any modern cases of Wendigo psychosis. I don't know. Um, yeah, that did that did come up in my um, in some of my research. I think one of my actually one of my stories talks about Wendigo psychosis. People um, thought that like schizophrenia and stuff like that, or maybe am I thinking about last episode? And they're all kind of blending together. With all these ailments and diseases and. Oh, I also forgot. It's in. Um... You remember stories to tell in the dark? Mm-hmm. There's a Wendigo in that. Ooh, I remember that book as a um, as a little kid, and it freaked the hell out of me. Oh my god, it was terrifying. Like the the images in there that was not meant for kids, but I think <laughs> every every parent at the time brought it or bought it for their kids, and it's like, hey, let me read you this scary shit. Is that what your parents sounded like? Yeah, that was. Um, that was my dad when I was uh, five. Hey, son, let me read you this scary <laughs> shit. I don't know if I don't know if I had that book as a kid. I think um, I think I had a friend that uh, had that that book. I mean, you could look it up now and see some of the pictures from it, and it's just frightening as all hell. I want to look that one up. Scary stories to tell in the dark. Oh yeah, it's a movie. No, it's uh, no. It was I, made I know into it's, a movie. It, right. It it is a movie now though. Uh, I forgot it was bad. that. Um, we got seventy eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes according to uh, the Googles. Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, The Wendigo, from Halloween Fandom. It is the 17th story included in the book. Well, that's pretty neat. This would have been a good story to, to retell. I just didn't want to, I didn't want to steal something from well, the I book. I can just share the plot. Go for it. Yeah. So it says, a rich hunter decides to hunt in a dangerous place. He tries to get guides to go with him, but none will go because they say it is too dangerous. Eventually, an Indian na- man named Defago agrees to go with him. The first night they set up their tent, it is very windy. The hunter decides to look outside to check the weather, but sees that there is no wind at all. He goes back inside his tent, and the wind starts up again. Then the wind calls Defago's name. This is, yeah. this, this, is, no, no, this is one of my stories. Oh, it does. <laughs> well, it talks about it talks about a guy named Defago. Defago. I didn't know how to say it. Defago. I like Defago more. But I, I wasn't sure. Can I read that real yeah. quick? I wasn't sure how, how much. Okay, no, you were just near the end of that. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Just You're finished. okay. <laughs> it says Defago goes mad and runs away screaming. Mm-hmm. The next day, the hunter goes out to look for him. He follows his tracks, which end over the frozen lake. He suspects that he fell beneath the ice, but there is no crack or any other evidence that he could have. The hunter heads back to camp, packs up, and leaves. After he returns, he asks the guides if they have seen him, but they have not. The next year, he comes back and sees an Indian who has his face covered. His He lifts his head to look up him and just sees burnt ashes. That, um, I'm wondering, and, and that's from Scary Stories Tell in the Dark. Yes. I'm wondering if they took that from uh, this story that I have that I prepared that, uh, I don't know, it could be the same story. It sounds pretty similar. Uh, it has the same name. I don't know how uh, how um, rare a name DeFago or DeFago was at the time. Oh, um, here we go. It says that variations of Wendigo transformations told by explorers and missionaries as early as the 17th century. Okay. 17th century then. Um, but I'm, I wonder if... Uh, I wonder if they just stole it from because I don't know when that story came out in that book. But well, scary um, stories to tell in the dark. I don't remember when that was written, but when was your novella written? Well, this was 1910. I think that it might have been. So they, they maybe they just stole a little a little bit from this guy's story. Um, and I, I actually I prepared two stories. I wasn't sure how um, how extensive we'd go into either of these, but um, I'm gonna I'm gonna read my second story too. Okay. Um, maybe I can include this as the story that goes in the episode. Maybe I'll put it as a separate one. Cause actually I like this story better. I think this story, uh, ties in, this story ties in more, um, 
to what most people like if you're to do research on wendigos like you did what most people would imagine a wendigo or the behaviors of a wendigo uh this story actually talks about cannibalism i think you should do that one um so i might just include this one so the story i decided on um talks about wendigo psychosis which you mentioned uh in your research um, it is described by psychiatrists as a culture-bound syndrome with symptoms such as an intense craving for human flesh and fear of becoming a cannibal. In some indigenous communities, environmental destru- destruction and insatiable greed are also seen as manifestation of Wendigo psychosis. Uh, one of the more popular cases of Wendigo psychosis involved a subject by the name of Swift Runner. Uh, Swift Runner, born Kaki Sikuchin. Can I just interrupt very quickly? Sounds like a Sonic OC. A Sonic OC? Yeah. What's that? Like a Sonic original character. Oh. People who are like obsessed with um, Sonic create like their own character. No, you never heard of that? No. So people who... Uh, okay, so like OC original character is somebody who um, creates a character that fits into the storyline or they create the storyline um, where they fit into this fictional universe so in this case it's sonic so they like create a hedgehog and they like give it a background story and they're they're usually furries oh <laughs> but it just sounds like swift runner swift sounds runner. like a, a sonic oc to me i'm sure it is one already. probably um <clears throat> I gotta use the bathroom okay go for it okay 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 so yeah, this guy, Swift Runner, who may or may not be an OC from Sonic the Hedgehog. Definitely a hedgehog. He uh, was born Kaki Sikuchin. He was likely born sometime around 1840 to 1850. His exact date of birth is not known. Uh, but judging by the photos taken around the time of his arrest, he appears to be around 30 to 40 years of age. I have a picture of him. Did you say he's about 30 to 40? Mm, yeah. Around there? I'd say so. And I, I think that's a booking photo. He's holding like a, a chain and a, a link, and I think it's hooked up to his feet. I Why don't know. Did he get arrested? Oh, we'll get into it. Oh, oh, we'll get into it. So um, he, was, he was born and lived in what is now central Alberta, Canada. Uh, it's a country north of Fort Edmonton. It was the uh, name of a series of trading posts in the Hudson's Bay Company from ni- uh, 1795 to 1891, all of which were located in central Alberta. Um he was born within a Cree community of Indians, a hunter and trapper. He was a hunter and trapper for the Northwest Mounted Police. He is a large man, over six feet tall, mild, trustworthy, and well-liked by his family and the community. One story says that over time, Swift Runner developed a taste for... Can you guess? <gasps> is it human flesh? It is whiskey. Oh. Uh, believed to be caused by his inability to hunt and take care of his family. So he started drinking. Uh, he was reportedly an angry drunk, and his violent tendencies caused him to be fired by the police force, by the police force, and later kicked out of his tribe. Sometime in the early winter of 1878, <laughs> just doing his job. How dare he! I mean, I wanted the windows open because it's actually fucking gorgeous outside today. It's like 75. Like, we've had weeks where it's just been unbearably humid and, like, in the upper 90s. Today, it's nice out. I might I might take a walk later. But uh, this guy needs to really cool it with his leaf blower. <laughs> cool it, buddy. Um, where am I? Look here, pal. I'm going to need you to tone it down. Uh, sometime in the early winter of 1878, Swift Runner separated from his father-in-law and took his family, his wife, six children, mother-in-law, and brother, out to the forest. The reason why is not entirely known. Several months later, as spring rolled around, Swift Runner returned from his camp, but without his family. One report says he stumbled into a Catholic mission, and after the priests asked him what was wrong, Swift Runner said his whole family was dead. He told the priests they had starved, but why was Swift Runner still alive? He looked, uh-oh. Right? He looked relatively healthy since leaving, and the priest knew other Cree hunters that had no problems finding food throughout the winter, so there, there'd be no reason why his family would have starved. There, there should have been more than enough food out there. Um, plus, he was still alive, so what's the deal? The priests were also disturbed by Swift Runner's nightmares that he experienced in the nights following. He would wake up in the night screaming at the top of his lungs. 
The priests finally involved police after they found him attempting to lure a group of children out into the woods. Bruh. That was the last straw. Whiskey got you acting ridiculous. Mm -mm. Other reports state that he claimed his family members either committed suicide or dispersed on their own. But when he was unable to provide anyone with information on their whereabouts, family members became suspicious and involved the police. Yeah, I'd be suspicious too. He was placed under arrest and was ordered to lead police to the last known location of his family members. He obligingly showed police a small grave near his camp. He told them one of his boys died and was buried there. Police dug up the grave and found the bones and emaciated corpse of his eldest son undisturbed. He had died of starvation. However, this did not explain the rest of the human bones scattered around the second encampment. Why would you just leave them scattered there? We'll get into that. Oh my God, stop. There's... <laughs> we'll get into that. Oh. We talk about it. Um, so, you know, they, he buried his eldest child. I guess it turned out that he did indeed uh, die from starvation. But then he just left the rest of the bones and police was like, yo... What up with all these bones? Why'd you bury your son, but what up with the bones? Right. And this is when Swift Runner confesses. He explains that he became haunted by dreams and that a Wendigo spirit possessed him to cannibalize his family. Ooh. The spirit gradually took control of Swift Runner and he eventually murders and eats his wife. Aww. Uh, this gets pretty dark. The Wendigo spirit then forces one of Swift Runner's children to kill and butcher his younger brother. The spirit also hung Swift Runner's infant by the neck oh while it God. tugged at its feet. Yeah. His brother and mother-in-law are also proposed to have died, but some reports say that Swift Runner didn't know where they went as they had left the group earlier in the winter on their own accord. Uh, some claim that famine or illness was an evident catalyst, as displayed by Swift Runner's eldest son's corpse, because he died from starvation. But while starvation may explain the initial death of his oldest son and potentially even the initial murder of his wife, because they were low on food, um, it doesn't explain the following murders. So everyone else that he killed. The camp was just uh, the camp that they had. Um, oh, no, I'm sorry. The camp that they went to when they took his family out there, it was only 25 miles away from an emergency food supplies, fo uh, supplies post. Yet, Swift Runner resorted to butchering and consuming his entire family. Even if famine had prevented the group or Swift Runner alone from making it to the Hudson, Hudson's Bay Company post, where there were emergency supplies there, the murder of his wife would have provided him and the others enough food energy to make the trip. So even if he made the argument that he killed his wife for food for him, him and his family, they could have made it back. I would have killed the mother-in-law. Just well, the, the mother-in-law left. She she got out of there. She didn't have time for Swift Runner's shit. Mother-in-law um, was like, "Oh, eating people." <laughs> Not you my crazy. Thing. <laughs> it's that whiskey. Mm -hmm. Um, if the um, if the subsequent murders were motivated by a desire to conceal the first and eliminate witnesses, why were they eaten rather than buried? So that brings up the point. It's like, why did he? Why did he eat everyone? Why did he leave all these bones and everything out? If he was trying to conceal his murders, he should have just buried them. Um, but it's believed that Swift Runner's case was not a case of pure cannibalism as a last resort to avoid starvation, but rather um, of a man suffering from Wendigo psychosis. Obviously, the police didn't buy this, and neither would the courts. Police brought Swift Runner and the evidence back to Fort Saskatchewan, and Swift Runner's trial began on August 8, 1879 with the court's magistrate later sentencing Swift Runner to death by hanging after only 20 minutes of deliberation. Uh, yeah. Pretty obvious that this guy's guilty. Um, they weren't buying some crazy Wendigo psychosis BS. Um, this was the first time police were sentencing anyone to death and the first formal execution in Western Canada. The hanging was scheduled for December 20th, 1879. Moments before the trap door below Swift Runner's feet dropped, he gave an admission of guilt, addressing the large crowd that had gathered to witness his death. He thanked the jailers for their kindness and even berated his guard for making him wait in the cold. Well, can you think how crazy that is, though, back in the day where people would just come to watch someone get hanged? Happened all the time, yeah. 
Isn't that wild? It's like, oh, hey, Charlotte, someone's getting uh, hanged in uh, Times Square today. Did you want to go down and uh, maybe hang out? And, and she's like, yeah, but I can only stay for a little bit. We've got like a tea thing going on oh, later. Yeah, that's fine. It's, it's, it's just, around 1 o'clock, one thirty. How long do you think it's going to take? It should be over pretty quick. You think? Yeah. You think he's going to flail a lot? I don't know. They might make him wait out in the cold for a while. But see, I wonder if he'll actually say anything about that. But yeah, it happened a lot. Um, it was just a thing that you did back in the day. So casual. We should bring that back. I agree. Actually, eh, probably not a good idea. But. Are you sure? <laughs> I, was, I was really gung-ho for that. Public hangings? Yeah. Just getting the community together. It's a yeah. bonding thing. <laughs> bring really. everyone back together. Oh, gosh. Make everyone numb to death again. That's, that's my that's my running platform for being president. <laughs> Make everyone numb to death. <laughs> Page twenty twenty four. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's really fucked up. That was a story of Swift Runner. That was a true story. Pretty some some crazy. That's shit. dark. Yep, Swift Runner, you crazy? Yeah, <laughs> Swift Runner, you crazy? <clears throat> um. I think that's all we got for for this episode. Well, what'd you think of the beer? I I liked it more than last week's. I agree. No offense to Three Floyd's Brewing Company. It's, yeah, I mean, if I had a choice between the two, I would pick a porter. Um, I think it's really smooth. It does make me think of coffee. Um, very chocolatey. So you actually like it? I do. Even I, though I you're mean, not a fan. I'm not a huge fan of porters. Um, and it's not going to be, cause you know, like you have those beers where it's just like, oh, I could drink multiple of these and I would enjoy them. I mean, well, this, this really, I don't think is one of those that you would, you would do that. I mean, if you're, if you're going to a party and you show up with like a 12 pack of Guinness, it's really, that's not the beer you bring. You that's know, what I'm saying. But to get fucked up on. I just think it's enjoyable for the, in the way it was intended to be mm-hmm. something that you can kind of sip on. And just enjoy for the flavors, because it's very mellow. It's good for, um, I imagine, if you're eating, like, a steak Mm, or, like, mm -hmm. you know, a big dinner. Like, uh, definitely, really, any Irish food. It's very thick. Right. It'll fill you up. Yes. That's for sure. So, it's definitely complimentary um, if you're eating dinner. It's a good dinner beer. Um, But, yeah, not not something that you'd necessarily get wasted on. Yeah, I can't imagine someone who's just like, who brought the porters? (laughs) we're about to get fucked up yeah no not that kind of beer but i i really enjoy it um i think it was a good pick um really fit with our topic um i love porters and stouts so well i mean i'm a big fan a dark menacing mellow beer just like the wendigo for a story that's stranger than fiction oh that was Mm. that was hot really tied it tied it together there tied it up tight um i did have uh a few things See if we could find them in this um, mess of a Dropbox that we have for all of our notes. Um, oh, so uh, like I mentioned, I was working on um, getting our podcast to as many platforms as possible, um, working on, on getting all of our stuff uploaded and accessible by everyone. So um, if you're into the show, um, if you enjoy listening, if you want to stay, uh, keep in touch and uh, stay up to date with our, our latest episodes, uh, we have Facebook, we've got Twitter, and uh, brand new news as of yesterday, we have a subreddit now. Uh, subreddit is uh, just like everything else, Beer and Fear Cast. Um, but all of our all of our new releases and episodes will get posted on all three of those platforms. Um, feel free to, to communicate uh, with us. You can tweet out to us or leave a post or a comment on Facebook. Um, Join our subreddit if you're a redditor. Uh, feel free. It's again, uh, beer and fear cast. Um, plan to have some open discussion there. And, and I mean, if you want to submit your uh, frights and flight stories or just any personal stories, any comments, anything like that to the subreddit, you can do that as well. Um, and as of now, uh, beer and fear is available for streaming on uh, these platforms. We're on Apple Podcast, Castbox, Castro, Deezer. Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Listen Notes, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Podbean, Stitcher, TuneIn, and YouTube. We're everywhere. We're everywhere. We're all over the place. We're coming soon to uh, Spotify and Pandora. Um, I think Spotify, they require you to have five episodes mm-hmm. before you can uh, put your podcast on Spotify. So by our fifth episode, uh, you should see us on there. Um, Pandora, if anyone uses 
Pandora anymore. I don't. I don't think. People I don't really Pandora. think that's a thing. Old um, people. Maybe old people. Um, I use Pandora at work. We have music playing, so that's the extent of my experience with Pandora. I didn't even know Pandora had podcasts available. Good to know. Uh, but we'll be available on then uh, on there as well. Um, and then again, if you have any. Um, any comments, any questions, anything like that, if, if you want to submit your uh, your story for uh, Frights and Flights, um, you can do so at beerandfearcast at gmail.com. Um, again, we're looking for personal stories, any horror stories, ghost stories, paranormal experiences or encounters, just anything that you think is spooky that you haven't been able to explain. If you have a, uh, a friend who's got a story, a family member that's got a, a good story, uh, just feel free to email those uh, our way. Uh, we also ask that you submit a uh, beer as well with your story. So just any beer that you like or any beer that you'd recommend that you think would tie into the story, because uh, during our episodes, we're going to be enjoying a flight of beer. Um, and trying all four of these beers while while reading these four stories and shouting you out on those episodes as well. So, anything else you wanted to add? No, I'm feeling pretty solid. Okay, thanks for thinking of me. You're you're welcome. You're I, I always guy. try to. I'm oh, looking out for you, Paige. God, I love you. <clears throat> well, thanks for joining us. Um, yes, thank you very much for episode two of Wendigos. Of Wendigos, beer and fear Wendigos. We'll have episode three. Look out for that next Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Okay. Have a lovely day. Have a good afternoon. Whenever you're listening to this. <laughs>